Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic Roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Yeshua, the Shekinah. This is part five of the series. Next, we're going to look at the journey of the Shekinah and the significance of examining this journey as specified in the Midrash Rabbah, Lamentations Prologue 25, is that we want to see the connection of the Shekinah to the Mount of Olives and Yeshua. So let's look at it. Ten journeys were made by the Shekinah from cherub to cherub, from the cherub to the threshold of the house, from the threshold threshold of the house to the cherubim, from the cherubim to the east gate, from the east gate to the court, from the court to the roof, from the roof to the altar, from the altar to the wall, from the wall to the city of Jerusalem, and from the city of Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives. From cherub to cherub, for it is written, in the glory of the Lord mounted up from the cherub, Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse 4. From the cherub to the threshold of the house, for it is written, in the the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon it was to the threshold of the house. Ezekiel chapter 9 verse 3. From the threshold of the house to the cherubim, for it is written, And the glory of the Lord went forth from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. Ezekiel in chapter 10 in verse 18. The text from Ezekiel chapter 10 verse 18 should not have said went forth but came, but it says went forth. So what what is the meaning of went forth? Rabbi Aha said the Shekinah may be likened to a king who left his palace in anger. After going out, he came back and embraced and kissed the walls of the palace and its pillars, weeping and exclaiming, Oh, the peace of my palace. Oh, the peace of my royal palace. Oh, the peace of my beloved house. Oh, peace. From now onward, let there be peace. From the cherub to the east gate, for it is written, and the cherubim lifted up their wings and they stood at the door of the east gate. Ezekiel in chapter 10 and verse 19. From the east gate to the court, for it is written, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. Ezekiel chapter 10 verse 4. From the court to the roof, for it is written, it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 9. From the roof to the altar, for it is written, I saw the Lord standing beside the altar. Amos chapter 9 verse 1. From the altar to 
to the wall, for it is written, Behold, the Lord stood beside a wall made by a plumb line, Amos, in chapter 7, in verse 7. Another interpretation is, what means Anak, plumb line? It alludes to the Sanhedrin of 71 members. Where is it derived? From the numerical value of the letters of Anak? Then said the Lord, Behold, I will set a plumb line, Amos, chapter 7, in verse 8. Rabbi Judah, son of Rabbi Simone, said, From the wall to the city, for it is written, Hark, the Lord cries unto the city, Micah chapter 6 in verse 9. From the city to the Mount of Olives, for it is written, And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood upon the mountain, which is on the east side of the city. Ezekiel chapter 11 in verse 23. Rabbi Jonathan said, Three and a half years the Shekinah abode upon the Mount of Olives, hoping that Israel would repent. But they did not, while a botkol or a heavenly voice issued, announcing, Return, O backsliding children, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 14. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, Malachi chapter 3, and verse 7. When they did not repent, it said, I will go and return to my place, Hosea chapter 5, verse 15. Now, what we want to understand here is the connection between what the rabbis is explaining as the journey of the Shekinah as it comes to Jerusalem and specifically the Mount of Olives and how this parallels Yeshua. Now, the common understanding of the duration of time of Yeshua's ministry is three and a half years, and that is the duration of time that the Shekinah is said to have abided on the Mount of Olives. And during that three and a half years, hoping that Israel would repent, pleading for them to repent. But when they did not repent, we are told, Hosea chapter 5, verse 15, that I will go and return to my place. Yeshua said in John, in chapter 14, in verses 2 and 3, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. So let's examine and see this parallel between what happens to the Shekinah and what happened with Yeshua. Yahweh weeped to see the destruction of the temple, as explained in Midrash Rabbah Lamentations, Prologue 24. And in that day did the Lord, the God of hosts, call to weeping and to lamentations. At the time when the Holy One, blessed be he, sought to destroy the temple, he said, So long as I am in the midst, the nations of the world will not touch it, but I will close my eyes, or in other words, hide my face. I will close my eyes so as not to see it and swear that I will not attach myself to it until the time of the end arrives. Then came the enemy and destroyed it. Now it is explained in Midrash Rabbah Lamentations Prologue 24 that the temple was destroyed because Yahweh withdrew his right hand. For with the Holy One, blessed be he, swore by his right hand and placed it behind him. So it is written, he has drawn back his right hand from before the enemy. Lamentations chapter 
chapter 2 verse 3. At that time the enemy entered the temple and burned it. The Shekinah is withdrawn until Israel confesses their guilt. Midrash Rabbah, Lamentations, Prologue 24. When it was burnt, the Holy One, blessed be he, said, I am no longer have a dwelling place in this land. I will withdraw my Shekinah from it and ascend to my former habitation. So it is written, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. Hosea chapter 5 and verse 15. Next, it's explained from Sukkah chapter 5a that the Shekinah was at Mount Sinai and will also stand on the Mount of Olives. But did not the Shekinah descend to the earth? Is it not in fact written, and the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai? Exodus chapter 19 verse 20. Now, the one that came down upon Mount Sinai who is said to be the Shekinah is also the one that gave the Torah. So, the Shekinah is the lawgiver. Continuing, that was above ten handbreadths from the summit, but is it not written regarding the Shekinah and his feet will stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives? Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4. So, the rabbis see that it is the Shekinah that will descend and be upon the Mount of Olives. Now, in the book From Exile to Redemption by Rebbe Menachem Schneerson, volume 1 in page 54, it says that Messiah at the end of days, that his feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. Well, if it says in Sukkah 5a that it is the Shekinah that will be upon the Mount of Olives, and Rebbe Schneerson explains that it's the Messiah whose feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives, if we make the connection between the two associations, Yeshua is the Shekinah and his feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. Now let's look at Acts in chapter 1 and verse 6, Yeshua was asked a question and the question is when they were coming together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now the restoration of the kingdom to Israel is the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel because it's the role and the task of the Messiah to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. So Yeshua answers the question and after he answers the question in verses 7 and 8, it then says in verses 9 through 12, and when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Yeshua, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. And so Yeshua ascended to be with his father after he was resurrected from the Mount of Olives. And it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 9 that a cloud received him out of their sight. And then the angel said he will return in like manner. So if he left from the Mount of Olives, where is he going to return unto? He is going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives, as we are told in Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4. It says in verse 3, then 
then shall Yahweh go forth and fight against the nations as when he fought in the day of battle and his feet, whose feet? It is the feet of Yahweh will stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Well, the text literally says it's the feet of Yahweh that will stand upon the Mount of Olives. But the rabbis explain that it's the Shekinah whose feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. And Rabbi Schneerson said in his book that this will be the Messiah. Acts chapter 1 verse 9 says that a cloud received him out of their sight. And the rabbis explain that the Messiah, after he is revealed in the land of the Galilee, that ultimately he will be taken up from the Mount of Olives. So these things that are recorded for us in Acts chapter 1 parallels with the teachings and the expectation of the rabbis as they specifically teach regarding the Shekinah. Now in Targum Jonathan, we have a reference referring to Genesis chapter 8 and verse 11 when the dove came to Noah and it is explained in the following way. And the dove came to him, that would be Noah, following the flood at the evening time and behold a leaf of olive gathered broken off she brought in her mouth which the dove had taken from the mount of the messiah and there is a reference that this is referring to the mount of olives therefore the mount of olives is called the mountain of the messiah and this is why messiah ascended from the mount of olives and this would be a separate study but I believe that Messiah was crucified on the Mount of Olives as well. And so this particular mountain in Jerusalem is called in the Targums, the Mountain of the Messiah. Now from the Zohar, number section three, page 191b, it explains that the song of Moses is the song of the Shekinah. And what we're going to do next is going to make a connection between what the rabbis say is the song of the Shekinah, which is the song of Moses, with Revelation chapter 15, verses 2 and 3, where we're told about the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And so, an alternative expression for the song of the Lamb, which is the song of the Messiah, is the song of the Shekinah, once again, making the connection between Yeshua and the Shekinah. So, from the Zohar, it is explained then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. Now that is from Exodus in chapter 15. Then there is song, the song of all sides. Yasher, literally, will sing. The tent suggests that this song fitted that occasion and will also fit the future redemption, which is the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel in the end of the exile, when it will again be sung by Israel. Moses and the children of Israel will sing this song. So that which they sang in Exodus in chapter 15 will be sung again. And where do we see this? Revelation chapter 15 in verses 2 and 3. The same is implied in the words, as in the days of your going out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. Micah chapter 7 verse
verse 15. Moses and the children of Israel will then sing this song unto the Lord, the song of the Matrona, which is an alternative term for the Shekinah, to the Holy One, blessed be He. The Shekinah will sing this song to the Lord. And we would understand that here it's referring to our Heavenly Father. Now, let's look at Exodus chapter 15, verse 1, and relate it to Revelation chapter 15, verse 3. Exodus chapter 15, verse 1, it is written, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. Now, the horse and his rider refers to Pharaoh and his chariots. And so Pharaoh drowning in the Red Sea is prophetic of the defeat of the beast of Revelation chapter 13. And those who get victory over the beast, Revelation chapter 15 verse 2, are described in Revelation chapter 15 verse 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, thou King of saints. Now, when Revelation chapter 15 in verse 3 talks about the song of the Lamb, it is making a reference back to Psalm 137 in verse 4. So let's look at Psalm 137 and see the connection. I'm going to begin by sharing with you verses 1 and 2, which states the following, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion, and we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. So, by and in Babylon, you are sitting down, you are weeping, and you are remembering Zion. You're hanging your harp on the willow, which means you're not playing the harp. And so, it's communicating that Babylon is a place of mourning for the exiles of Israel. Now, we're going to pick up in verse 3, where it is written, For there, that is Babylon, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. Well, we can't sing the song if we look at verse 2 because the instrument by which we're going to sing the song is our harp and it's hanging on the willow. As a result, those who have taken Israel into captivity are mocking, as we see in verse 3, and they're saying mockingly, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And so the answer or the reply in verse 4 is, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land or in Babylon. You cannot sing the Lord's song, which is the song of the Lamb, which is the song of the Shekinah in Babylon. You can only sing that song when you leave Babylon, when you're no longer captive in Babylon, when you return to the land of Israel and there is no more exile. And that is what's happening in Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3, where it says, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And they're singing this song because we're told in Revelation in chapter 15 and verse 2 that I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, over the mark, and the number of his name, they are having 
the harps of God. And it's with the harps of God that they sing the song of Moses and they sing the song of the Lamb. Do you realize you cannot get victory over the beast unless you are confronted by the beast, unless you are in battle with the beast? So the time reference of Revelation chapter 15 verse 3, when the the people here get the victory over the beast, over his mark, over his image, is that this takes place in the victory and the overcoming is during the reign of the beast, which we're told in Revelation in chapter 13 and verse 5 is 42 months, which is the last three and a half years before Messiah sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. And so this greater exodus takes place during the last three and a half years while the beast is ruling in the earth. And those who are returning to the land of Israel, being led by the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, being led by the Messiah, they are proclaiming this victory over the beast. And so this is why they're singing the song and why they're singing the song with their hearts. They are no longer in Babylon. Another important concept that we need to understand is that the Shekinah is one with Israel. And we're going to connect this to Yeshua's prayer in John chapter 17, verse 21, that he and his people would be one. From the Midrash Rabbah, Numbers 20, 21, it says, and he took up his parable, Numbers chapter 24, verse 3. When Balaam saw how Israel observed the unimportant commandments, he thought, who can curse these people who observe his commandments and with whom his name is associated, as it says, The Lord his God is with him. Numbers chapter 23 verse 21. He who curses them is like one who curses the Shekinah itself. For his name is merged with theirs. We need to understand this important concept. That Israel, Torah, and the Messiah are achad. Israel, Torah, and the Messiah are one. His name, that is the name of the Messiah, is merged with theirs the name of Israel. In the book, In the Garden of the Torah, on page 4 by Rebbe Menachem Schneerson, he explains, Israel, the Torah, and the Holy One, blessed be he, are all one. We see the association or the connection to Yeshua's prayer in John chapter 17, verse 21 and verse 23. That they all may be echad, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be one one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, that the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So when is Yeshua going to be seen as being one with Israel? When he gathers and unites the 12 tribes of Israel, when he brings them back to the land, when they get the victory, 
victory over the beast, over his mark, and over his image. And how will the world believe that Yeshua is the Messiah? Because the world will witness with their eyes the gathering of the exiles of Israel to the land, being led by the Shekinah, being led by the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, who is Yeshua the Messiah. From the Zohar of Exodus, section 2, page 216b, we have a, another very important concept of exile and redemption. And it is this, when the Shekinah is in exile, which also means when Israel is in exile, there is no union between the upper and the lower worlds. Now, let us understand what Yeshua explained to his disciples, taught his disciples how we are to pray. Well, that's going to conclude part five of the series on the subject, Yeshua, the Shekinah. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.